feels really loud. Turn me down. Make sure you're signed up for Vacation Bible School. Well, I want to, um, can you just turn me down just a tiny bit more? I'm sorry, because I, I talk so loud that that's better. Okay. Um, I just want to throw up a number up there, which is the church office number. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're a parent or a guardian, or you are responsible for children during the week, um, I admit during the school year, it is hard um, to bring kids to serve in certain ways. But the summer, there is more opportunity. And honestly, it has been on my heart. And so it's just like a total side note. We're thinking about kids this week in vacation Bible school. And I think it'd be a great season for parents, even if it's just once in the whole summer, where you bring the kids to the church, there's something happening here literally from like Monday to Saturday. We're open Tuesday to Saturday, and lots of opportunities for kids to come and sort clothes, to pack things, to help us clean, to minister to people on even just the smallest of level, because I feel like if you start at a young age teaching children to serve and to have a servant's heart, it is going to be easier for our future, and I just believe that. I believe as our kids get passionate and understand what it means to be hands and feet of Jesus, that it, it can happen. And so if you call that number or if you text me and just say, hey, we'd love to come one, one time this summer with our family, what can we do? We'll connect you with something to do. And so starting young makes it easier when they're older. And so um, as a pastor, I'm always convincing us old people that, right, because I feel old, but old people that like, hey, we need to serve. We need to be the hands and feet. Hey, if we just invest that in our children, then they'll just naturally want to do that as they get older older, and they'll naturally want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So there's the phone number um, to, to make that call. But all right, so, so far, both services are really successful at this. And so I'm going to see if you can be successful as well. Are you ready? Do you feel successful today? You should. You came to church. Come on now, right? So that means something. What book are we going to be in? What chapter? Look, see, you're the best out of them all. How's that sound? I'll just throw that title on you. So um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to kind of flip the script. And last week I introduced something that I felt in my spirit. The Lord was saying, you need to understand this first before you can understand this. And so last week, just quick review, basically Jesus was saying that if you want the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be poor in spirit which means being humble, which means allowing the Spirit of God to come in and rest in that place of authority, rest in that place of fulfillment. And so I hope, I hope that this week you've taken those words and really worked through those with Jesus and ensured that he is at the center of who you are. And today we're going to take a step backwards and I'm going to talk to you about how it actually translates. And so once you have your Bibles open, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, we'll just read a couple of verses. Pretty simple. Starting chapter 5, verse 1. Just remember to get the scene in your mind. And all summer, I'm going to be reminding you to think about the scene. And that scene is Jesus moving past a crowd moving past the disciples, climbing up a mountain and turning around and seeing thousands of people ready to hear his words. What's significant is that the words that he speaks here are different because mind you, every time he dealt with the crowd, he dealt with them differently. The way he dealt with this crowd was different. In fact, it tells us in the translation that he was like joyful. He was like celebrating the people. He turned around and he saw something in all those people that was different than many of his encounters. 
And I would say, and this is like a stretch, so this isn't theological, this is Joe's theology, right? But we know, and theologians know for a fact, and you know for a fact, that many of you will probably still be around in three years, right? Just say amen. Let's hope you are, okay? I don't want to do your funeral, and so let's just say amen. So you're going to be around in three, three and a half years. Jesus, in this moment, it, it was different. When you get the translation, you're going to see he turned around, and he actually got excited, and he looked at them, and he said, blessed. Actually, he said, blessedness is upon you. And you know why? Because he saw the people. You know why? Because he saw their future. You know who these people were? These are the people that after, you know, all the stuff happened, he went to the cross, died, came back, talked. The Holy Spirit came, empowered the people. They became the early church. Thousands of them did what? Died for the sake of Jesus. And many of those people that stood there that day and he turned around and saw their hunger for him and for the new way and for the new word and the new fulfillment. He saw death and he saw many that would be a martyr's death. Many that would be stoned. Many that would be, had their, I mean, just violent stuff happened to the early church. And they did it in a blessed way. And you're going to understand what that means here at the end. Because at one point in their lives, that word that they heard from Jesus with the Holy Spirit inside of them gave them the strength to be like Stephen. And if you know your Bible, Stephen was stoned, yet in his stoning, he saw Jesus. He didn't feel it. He didn't experience. He saw Jesus. And Jesus let the circumstances not be present in his mind. This was how Jesus approached this Sermon on the Mount. And so we read in chapter 5, verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God, today, in this place, your spirit has already been here. And so, God, right now, I would pray that your spirit would continue to move. Move in the midst of me, God. I just pray that you would just allow today's words, today's thoughts, today's message to be yours. And in the name of Jesus, we come against the enemy who's been trying his ways for centuries, and they are old ways, and they are ways that you know. And so right now, cast them out and give us the ability to hear and see and then activate what it is that you're calling us to. And so today we trust you, Jesus. Today we pray that your words that you spoke and the compassion and love and excitement that you had in your heart as you looked at those people, God, let us get it. Let us understand it. And so today we ask your blessing to just fall into this place. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to start um, today... And it's all about the approach. Can you say approach? Okay, so I've been saying this all day, and I'm going to say it again because I think it's kind of funny. But like, um, sometimes when you're walking or when you're going somewhere or you're getting ready to like encounter someone, there are just certain times that I just get nervous. It's like I need to ask someone a question or I'm at a store and like it's not quite right. So you know that like, have you ever had this battle before? Okay, I know that what I got isn't right. Okay, and I know that like that person looks like the angriest person in the world that I have to go back to to say it isn't right. But then the problem is if I if I just let it go, I have to go home and face who, right? 
So then I know the battle is you just go face the what? You, you turn around the drive-thru and say, hey, you forgot like four fries, which means four angry children, right? You know what I mean? It is like sometimes that happens, right? And it's like pretty significant. You open the bag and it's like, you know, four nuggets, no fries, nothing else. And it's like, oh gosh, I got a girl and she was so nasty, but hey, I'm just going to love her. You know what I mean? Like go back and say, hey, I'm here. My bag's empty. You know what I mean? Like, could you please? Like I do it really nice. And like, um, anyway, but, but have you ever been there where like you approach something and you're nervous or you approach something and you're, what about this? Okay. What if you're deciding to go like on a hiking trip, like true hiking, not like Mounts Park is great, right? But that's not like, you know, you're not going to be too strenuous. If it is for you, then you got to keep doing it more. You know what I'm saying? Like work your way up. But, but if you come to a true hike in a bathing suit, a beach towel and flip-flops, I mean, you do, but I mean, outside of other people, I'm sorry, like you do. I'm trying to get you to wear a good pair of shoes. Like halfway through, you're like, my feet hurt. I'm like, it's a five mile hike. Of course they do. You're in flip flops. You know what I mean? Like feeling every poor rock. I feel bad for her, honestly. I found her Crocs. So now this, this trip, we're going to wear Crocs, right? I do love you. Okay. Um, but think about it. If you approach a hike like that, you should what? You should expect some adversity. You should expect that like you're probably going to get scratched. A lot of true hikers wouldn't even wear shorts, right? Because they would approach that hike as like, we're going to do all we can to do this well. Interestingly enough, and I want you to understand this because this is different than the other times Jesus addresses crowds. The people that came to hear the word in this particular moment were different. They came ready to approach a Jesus. Now, what do you mean? There's a couple of key factors we forget about this. This happened early on in his ministry. He established something about the state of people early on. If you'll just follow, if you'll live in these conditions, you'll understand that I'm going to be with you. Interestingly enough, the way that he approaches them is based off of the way they approached Jesus. Now, many of you today, right? I mean, let's just be honest. You just got here. It was, it was an accomplishment to get here. Now, some of you, before you got here, your knees, at some point during the week, were on the ground saying, God, move in me when I get there. God, I'm getting prepared now to. And so you approached a little differently. I'm not saying one way is better or the other, but like when you come to Sunday morning prepared in prayer, prepared in heart, prepared in nothing's going to stop me to hear the, so that I can go out and be the, that's a different approach. These people approached Jesus in a way that when he turned around to use a language that we don't interpret very well, that actually was a celebratory language. It was actually a shouting, a joyous shouting from him to them. It was different. He turned around and he saw people that were hungry. He saw people that early on in his ministry got it. This wasn't a people that after time and after convincing and after family saying, these are people actually, many theologians would tell you, they broke off early from systems that would have turned their finger at them and said, I can't believe you. See, there were people there that day that said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go listen and follow this, this Jesus. What we've been praying for, it's coming. And the aunt says, well, no, it's not, but I'm going anyway, break. And I could just give you example after example. These were fresh in early people. And so Jesus turned around and saw people that were ready, prepared, and excited to approach him. And so when we translate it correctly, we understand it's a little different than what we usually get. All right, can you say A-R-E? Oh, I went too fast. I was already there. Look at that. Say it again. I didn't hear you. 
Okay. And so here's the deal. In the actual translation, R is not there. Now, why do we do that? Well, we do a lot of things for a lot of reasons. If you look at the, now don't get mad. I think I made people mad today, but like read whatever translation you want. I'm just glad you're reading. You know what I mean? Say amen to that, right? But if you're going to read the new Kim, King James version, just say to yourself, new King James. It's a person. You know that, right? There's an actual person named King James, and he had an edict of six, all those things that said, hey, put it in this English, and I want it this way so our people understand. And like, you get that, right? Like, you can read it and love it, and it's your translation from life. That's good. But it's translated so that the people of the day would understand these 16 to 18 things. And so we have to understand that sometimes when we get back to the translation, it isn't the same as what we've always understood. So A-R-E is in present. Well, that changes it. it. It actually changes it tremendously because it actually puts it into three of them. It puts it into three stances. The others, two. The first one, as we talked about last week, significant. And I want to take you on a short, some of you look confused. That's good. I'm going to unconfuse you in the next 20 minutes, maybe 40, okay? Um, but let's, let's go from there. Um, we have to remember that in chapter 7, uh, 28, the way that this is referenced is that the people were astonished. These weren't a people that were confused. They weren't a people that were like, I don't know what's going on. They weren't a people that were like, I don't think I really like him for this. I'm here because mom said, I'm here because dad said. This is a people that the scripture tells us were astonished, which means they were drawn in. They were captivated. They were in love with. They were on fire for this message that Jesus was bringing. This isn't your normal crowd. This isn't the normal way Jesus approaches the crowd. And so... Let's go on a short journey. The word blessedness. Now, when you look at it here, it's translated, because in the scriptures, there's two ways that blessedness is translated. One way is the way we like, right? If I bless you with something, you become usually, like, happy, right? If the Lord places on my heart, hey, so-and-so needs help with, and I don't even know they need help with, and I'm like, all right, I'll just reach out and see, and then all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, how did you know? Like, that's the way that God uses his people to bless other people, and it's just this movement. That's a different kind of, and we get it confused with, and we think if we're poor in spirit, if we mourn, if we, then we will get blessed. See, because we translated it this way, we think if we, then we. That's not what this is about. It's actually translated as M-A, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. You like that? Can you say it? Macarius? I like macaroons, so let's just go with macaroons. I like those. Macaroons. So it's translated macaroons. It's not really how it is, but hey, I like food. So um, it's actually talking about the ascription of blessedness. And so what we need to understand here is that he's not talking about like being blessed because you. And so let's, let's switch it up some. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. He's actually talking about this ascription of blessedness. So if we're really to write it correctly, we would say the poor in spirit remain in a state of blessedness. It's actually flipped. But because Jesus was excited, he threw out the word blessed, blessing the people. Now I want you to remember this because we're going to take a journey a little bit later and go to the depth of what that word breaks down to because it actually breaks down to two words. I want you to look at H-O-I. Now, in the army, we say hooah. And I'm going to tell you this story because I feel like it's really important, and it's not, but it's hilarious, and I feel like 
if this person's watching right now, oh well, right? It's terrible, isn't it? Oh my gosh, if you're in first service. Anyway, um, in the army, there was this young lady who was like really on fire. You ever been like on fire for something that it teeters out like a week later? Y'all been there. Every one of us have done that, okay? We get excited about something. I call them and say, hey, you really wanted to do this? And you say, well, you know, I thought about it. And I really don't want to serve in that way. I'll get back to you. And it's like, oh, gosh, all right, I thought we had it. You know what I mean? Like, we all go through it. Anyway, um, she was really excited about being in the Army. She snuck out, which you're not allowed to do in basic, right? You just, you're not allowed to do it. She snuck out. Remember this? And she, this is terrible, she pulls her pants down at, at, at the meeting, like every morning we had to do PT and stuff, and I mean, we're talking like four in the morning, basic training, she pulls her pants down, shows everybody, she got hua, six inches high, she, you know, size, you know, anyway, and all the way across, and had the, the U was like in, in black, solid letters. I was in shock, she was like two doors from me, and she was showing everybody before we, the sergeant came in. No lie, was she out of the army, what was it, four weeks later? What's that called when you get out of the army? You don't want to be out of it? Discharge, yes. Dishonorable discharge because she did something else. And I was like, girl, I would not have gotten that tattoo because what do you do? You just, you just mark it all off. Like, and so that's what she did. I found out from my friend. She said she went and had that thing. One, so she's got on her bottom a solid big square. That's sad, isn't it? I just feel bad for her. I'm like, look, I got one, but I can fix that mess. You know what I mean? If she leaves me, I'll just, you know, change a letter or something. But anyway, um, that's not what this is about. It's just every time I look at it, I just think this, you can't get that out of your mind, right? That's one of those unimpressionable, I can still remember, my gosh, what? Okay. Don't do that, children, okay? I say get your tattoo after 30. All right. H-O-I. It translates, sorry, kids. Y'all just tell your parents not to come here anymore. But anyway, um, just, uh, I don't normally do that. H-O-I. Um, it is actually, okay, before each noun as an adjective. I have to read this because, you know, I cannot remember that. Um, H-O-I, before each noun as an adjective, talks about the poor in spirit, talks about the mourning. It talks about your condition, so what's different here is it's about a condition. And I've lumped these two together to help you understand that it's actually separate from the blessing. So what's a condition? Well, I mean, we can just use health. Many of us have conditions, right? You have maybe asthma, or maybe you have like an irregular heartbeat, or maybe you have diabetes, and that's like a condition. It's something that most likely you're always going to. Now, sickness is different because we pray and hope that, but conditions tend to what? Kind of stay. Like I'm always taking my inhale or it's on a regular basis. There's a regular, there's an emergency. It's a condition. Jesus was talking here about a condition. So he was saying, kind of flipping it, he was saying, okay, if your condition is being poor in spirit, meaning you're living in humility, and we talked about that last week, we're not going to repeat it, but if you really are, and I hope you've really investigated your heart, are you living in humility? Are you letting him have the seat of your spirit? Are you letting your spirit, yourself, your will be removed so his spirit can come in? And so what he's saying is if that's your condition, blessed you are. It's not saying like blessings will come to you if. He's saying like, what's your condition? And so I guess today the question is, what's your condition? Now, here's why I want to like help you. This is key and we don't normally break this down this way. But three of the Beatitudes, if you remember, have a connection to them, which is, if this is your condition, you're going to have Jesus, and you're going to have the kingdom of heaven now and later. Now that's key, because I'm going to take you on a little journey. You ready for it? It's key to understand that. Because the second one, 
The second one, which I kind of looped in this week, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's a different kind of mourning. Most of us, in our simplicity, right, we think about it as mourning for the people that have passed away, mourning for things that have changed, mourning in situations. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about here is a different kind of mourning. It's a mourning for those who don't know him. Now, okay, go back to the, go back to the crowd that, go back to the early crowd that was there. That early crowd, many of them had to make some choices. Mom's going to be mad if I leave the Old Testament ways of, that they wouldn't have said Old Testaments, but they would have said like the way of Moses. It's why this mountain's a significant it's why even the way it's translated is significant because Jesus was saying, thank you, Moses. I'm going to take it from here. And so many of them that really got it, that they were mourning for the lost. Church, the other step to this is it's a condition, but the second one isn't a condition of the kingdom of heaven. Well, what do you mean? Well, what, what this tells us is that Jesus was saying like, hey, if you want me you got to be humble, and you'll get the kingdom of heaven now and later. But if you don't mourn or you do mourn for the lost, you're still going to get the kingdom of heaven, but you won't have all of me. You're not going to experience everything that. It's why we're a church that says we should be a people that's serving. Not because I said you had to, just because it pours out of the poor in spirit. And then, but it doesn't end with theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's where we get this like theology. I'm taking you on a theological journey where, okay, you're not going to miss out on heaven if you don't have a heart for the lost, but you're going to have the comfort of Jesus if you have a heart for the lost. And so, second part is condition. And so I want you to think about it and say it kind of like the poor in spirit live in the state of the blessed because they are in the kingdom of heaven just kind of a different way to think about it. All right. Ready to go further? Ready to break it down just a little bit more to really get where he was going? Blessed condition, or you could say condition blessed with a result for three of them. Some didn't have a result. Some was just... When you get this idea... You get what Jesus was saying. He was saying to the people, and I said this last week, and I'll always say it, circumstances come and go. Circumstances are temporary. Circumstances sometimes are out of your control, and sometimes they're what? They're in your control. But I want you to think about it this way, because this is what Jesus was saying. Circumstances do not add or subtract from this state circumstances do not, so this blessed state that he was talking about, they do not add or subtract from. And so let me break it down in a simple way. Have you ever canned anything? Do you know what a can is of food in it and they seal it? And like the, the shelf life usually says like two to three years. I say, hey, it's canned, just eat it whenever. You know what I mean? If there's like a famine, pull that mess out and eat it. You know what I mean? Like you gotta get something. Now it's especially different when we can it ourselves. So we really got into canning recently. She won't do it, but I will. Shoot, if I'm gonna die hungry, I'm gonna eat that old can first, right? Um, but she's really good at like canning, freezing, and she's really gotten into it. And so we've been doing that. You take an apple, you clean it, you know you did it. 
you do it the right way, you follow the directions. A year later, you go in the cabinet, and there they are, and you enjoy it, right? Here's what I want you to get. This is so important, okay? So stay with me. What's happening here is Jesus is saying, okay, I am with you. That, that's, that's the blessed. <laughs> I am with you. Now, if you take a canned good, let's just say applesauce because it's on my mind because I'm watching them grow on the tree, you know what I mean? And I'm just thinking that I'm getting like canned and then we're going to have food forever. It's exciting, okay? Not forever, but for a long time. You take that can, you put it on the shelf. Interestingly enough, we'd all thought we had finished the applesauce from last year. And I thought, I know I did more than that. And I went searching and past a couple of things, I found a whole bunch in the back. Because we were having family over, I really wanted to like, this came from our apple tree. And like, she did that. And I'm like, this is really exciting. And we, she did pickles. And like, it was just cool to like, what you did, you provide on the table. You know what I mean? And I was just determined. So I went and I found it and it was there. It didn't leave, right? It didn't go. The applesauce couldn't get and walk away. Here's what you got to get about the scripture. And this is what Jesus said to the people. I will always be with you. If these conditions are true, if you're poor in spirit and you make a place for me, I don't take myself out of that place. The Nazarenes are getting nervous, okay? You ready for the next part? But you can take me off the shelf and you can dispose of me. You can take me off the shelf and use me when you want. And then what Jesus was saying is if you'll remain in the state, if you'll remain in the place of, and you know what, sometimes let's be honest, circumstances come and he's on the shelf. He hadn't left, but we have to go searching because we forget he's there. And we let things get in the way of it and so we have to push things out of the way, but guess what he hasn't done? He hasn't left. Guess what he was saying to thousands of people? If you'll remain in this state. Now in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the two other that have kingdom of heaven attached to it. We've only gotten to one of those. But he said, if you'll just allow your spirit to be put aside and allow mine to come in, I won't leave you. But if you decide to get rid of me and change your condition, then that's on you. And church, many of us, you know what happens? A circumstance comes, where was God? Come on now, we've all said it. We've heard people say it. I can't believe he put me through. I can't believe he didn't respond to. I can't believe that. The bottom line is Jesus said, no matter your cert, because they're coming. Why was Jesus so passionate and joyful and excited as he looked at this crowd? There was something about this crowd. There was something about he could see the future. He could see the perseverance. He could see the hearts. He could see what was coming. He could see the death, the stonings the beheadings, the crucifixions upside down. And he said, because you've got me, because you've got me, you've got the kingdom of heaven now. And there is something, and I, I believe our seniors in here could say it. There's something about staying with Christ. That through the circumstances, there's a peace and a comfort. And Jesus early on in his ministry said, I'm telling you now so you know for good. I want you to get it now so you know. I want the kids that you brought to get it now so that they'll always know no matter what waves, I'm always, unless you take me out, use me and. So let's break the word down. You say, Pastor, well, where have you gotten this from? Well, the struggle is in our Americanness, okay, um, is that we change things. We fix them. We, we make it so that like we think blessed is what? Happy. 
when people say I'm blessed, they mean I'm happy. Now, they may not really mean it, or it may not really be true, but a lot of people just say it to say it. And this is not that word. It's a different translation, which is E-U-G-G, something like that. I forget the, but it's a different word. And that is a bless. And that's, that's different. That's hands and feet stuff. This is a state. And so the struggle is we don't understand the actual translation here, which has to relate to two things. And those two things are, if you know, like, world geography, Cyprus is a place. You can't go based off of what it is now, even though still, if you look online, it's beautiful, a place to go. It's a beautiful island. But at that time, it was an island that if you lived there, if you resided there, you had everything. You had perfect weather. I'm sorry, Indiana just, we don't necessarily have the perfect weather. Like 70 to 75, like we don't get that all the time. Like sunny, if it rains, it like comes and goes. If it rains here, it just stays till, you know, you get a little river or something. But, and then it goes away for like three weeks and you dry up. It's just crazy here. But that's okay. We love it. But that's not this area. In this day and age, if you said I'm in a state of Cyprus, it meant like you had fruit that was bountiful. There was vegetables. There was trees. Like everything was full of life. It got enough rain to make it really plentiful. It's beautiful waters. It's a peaceful place. There wasn't a lot of trade, not a lot of stuff going on there. Now, some would say, and and if you read theologians, they would argue that, well, they didn't have like, well, of course, they didn't have like the purple claws and all the things, but Jesus was relating it here because guess what? You had all you need. You lacked of nothing. Now, wants are different. And so, interestingly enough, this word translates in a way that is, and, and relates to Cyprus, a fertile island where you lack nothing. And so he was saying to the people, if you'll live in this state, you will lack nothing. And church, I know the world's saying that's not true. They're saying that you need this and you need that and you need this and you need that. And and if, if you don't feel fulfilled, then there's a way to make it happen and you can push through and you can... I, I just can't say that that's true. Because Jesus said, with me, you will lack nothing. You'll be in a state of Cyprus. Break it down a little further. And this is kind of the end, so we're landing here. You break it down, the root of it is M-A-K-A-R. And when you get that, and here's what's so key. And I hope in this moment you can get what the people of that day experienced. When he said it, the way that he said it, in the language that he said it, the M-A-K-R relates to that which is divine. It actually at the day related to God's with an S, which would indicate to the people, because obviously, but it would relate to the people that there is a divine element that only I can provide. Are you, are you hearing me? So he looked at the people and said, if you want to live in a state of Cyprus, if you really want to get what it means to have the divine connected to you, then you have, to, you have to move some things out of the way and let me, and I'll stay with you all your days unless you decide to. But if you don't decide to, search, you'll find me. Seek, I'll be there. Look, I'm with you. Go through, I'm there. Hard days, don't forget I'm And the source, the source is divine. It's Jesus. It's life-giving. It's powerful. It's, it's alluring. 
It's exciting. It's why crowds were following. Because Jesus had more than just words. Those words were attached to life. And so why do we, why do we tie last week and this week together? And why do I, I tell you this now? Well, when you dwell with Jesus at the center of who you are, it, circumstances come and go. They may be hard. They may be rough. Jesus could see their futures. And he could see what was coming he actually saw all the disciples, right? I mean, John got to live on to his old age, and that was it. The rest of them died terrible deaths. He was looking right there saying, hey, guys, just remember, <laughs> even though you are, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. And yours is the kingdom of heaven. And if you'll do it now, you'll get to have it here and in heaven. Church, I guess the key is, what's your condition? What's your state? Do you really sense that Jesus is at the center of? If you really push some things away, would you see the light? Jesus was saying, I I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I I'm not going to let you go. I I'm going to stay there with you. I'm going to stay there with you church is he with you that's on you because once you ask you will receive and if you'll let yourself you can live as someone who Jesus would turn to and say blessedness is yours God we thank you for this day for this word God we even thank you for the scene of this scripture the picture of Jesus pushing through the crowds and pushing through the disciples and, and turning around in this excitable manner, celebrating and, and joyfully pronouncing the truth of the state we can be in with you. So God, let us this week evaluate. Let us really take seriously. Let us understand that like, if we'll just let you, you will. And maybe this week some of us need to just push some things out of the way and be reminded that you're there. Maybe mindsets, thoughts, situations, circumstances, we need to get back to you and remind ourselves that you are there. And God, I thank you today that Jesus is with us because I'm not sure how to do it without you. So thank you for taking that place. Thank you for reminding. Thank you for convicting. Thank you for challenging. Thank you. Help us, guide us, bless the men in here. Thank you for the men of God that are standing for the things of God. God, I pray that you would bless them and move in their lives and remind them today that they are important not only for this church, not only for their family, but for their community, for the kingdom, for the loss, for those that we should be mourning for, which are those that don't know you, don't have that peace. And so, God, we ask that you would move in our men's lives, empower them, strengthen them, and, God, let them continue to have the strength to be the men that you've called them to be. And, God, we love you so much, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Make sure today to just give a high five to a guy and say we love you, we appreciate you. Thanks for being a man of God.